we just reach out to someone and we say, okay, Joan Smith, she does webinars. I'll email Joan and see if she wants to support my webinar. And I'll, you, you'll hear crickets. She won't respond because you've got no relationship with her. And again, it's, you're not selling a washing machine. You've got to build, you've got to have a first date with Joan first, right? She's got to get to know my brand and trust me and respect the content, et cetera, et cetera, before I suggest that. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Tom. It's really great to have you joining me here today. It's been fun already and we haven't even started. I know, how funny. I always have this thought that maybe I should have like this second show of recording the conversations before and after. Sometimes I think that they're even better than the interviews themselves. And and don't you have those experiences also where you have a guest and you're going chat, 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 and you think, damn, I wish I'd captured that. Oh, all the time right. all the time and actually when we were chatting i nearly hit record almost hit record and uh that's why i went no let's stop let's hit let's hit record now before we actually chat out but i don't think that could have happened before we jump into today's episode which i know already know is going to be great why don't you share a little bit about what it is that you do and the kinds of clients that you work with okay so our clients are uh, my, my clients for them it's more like they're proposing marriage than it is selling a washing machine <laughs> so I know that's not a traditional answer, but essentially they've got an intellectual property that they are marketing. So that, that means they're probably a business coach, executive coach, business trainer, financial planner, um, software as a service or marketing online programs or courses. They're, they're the six niches that I work in. And my specialty is, is really summed up pretty well by that. We're not, we're, not, we're not selling washing machines, we're proposing marriage. In other words, the prospect is considering entering into a relationship with my clients that's going to be an, of an ongoing nature, perhaps three months, perhaps three years, perhaps who knows, 10 years or whatever. So therefore, the prospect needs a first date or two or three or four. Um, we can't, so, so my clients, it doesn't work for them if they just rock up to a business networking meeting and hand out a bunch of cards because, you know, it's like premature proposition. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the common denominator is my clients need to create an opportunity for their prospects to get to know my clients first so they can establish rapport and trust before they even suggest meeting to talking about business or anything like that. And so it's, it's all around the effort. It's all about inbound marketing. It's all about giving the prospects a sample of the brand, of the service, of the ideas, seeing who's interested and then generating the leads after that. Mm, perfect. I mean, apart from, you know, your local fish and chip shop, I actually think that there's not a lot of businesses that can do business straight off the bat these days. I think that that people's BS radars are, are getting more and more highly tuned. Well, I, yeah, I think that's definitely true because there's more and more BS out there. But, oh, yes. But, but it, <laughs> I think the distinction is, you know, I wrote a book, one of the early books I wrote called Marketing the Invisible, and that's the distinction. If it's a physical thing like golf clubs, a house, I mean, if, if I were going to buy a new car, I don't have to like the car salesperson. I have to like the car. The car mm-hmm. comes with a five-year guarantee, a seven-year guarantee. I drive it. I like it. The salesperson might be sleazy, schmarmy, might be wonderful too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But chances are I don't want to have them over for Sunday brunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to do the transaction, good, get a good deal on the car. 
I have a relationship effectively with a car if that doesn't sound too weird, not with a salesperson. Yeah, and it but doesn't when, sound weird. I'm a car person, so I totally get that. Well, okay. I'm, a, I'm a motorbike person. I can buy a car in five minutes, but I want to take five weeks to buy a motorbike. But, <laughs> but, but the main point is, is that if we're marketing services, advice or software, it's a relationship. And, and, and with, if we are the purchaser, we have to be able to trust the person who's behind the product or service. Whereas if it's a set of golf clubs, we just have to trust the physical thing and the brand behind it, mm, uh, mm. washing machines and so on. So that's the dividing line, I think. Is, it, is, it, is there intellectual property involved that's going to take some time to deliver? Business coach, business trainer, personal coach, et cetera. Or is it a physical thing? If it's a physical thing, I'm not your guy. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy who shows you how to get prospects into your network, how to, how to, how to authentically impress them with the value you can deliver, and then propose a meeting. Absolutely. And you are, and I said it before and you told me I was wrong, but you are a genius at this. I absolutely loved the, um, your book, um, Inbound Leads. But let's start there because you did mention inbound leads just a minute ago. And right. I think that this can be really confusing. And I know that we spoke another time and you answered this in a way that really made sense to me in a way I hadn't heard it before. So I'd love you to share what your take on inbound leads inbound is. Versus, okay, so inbound versus outbound. So, so first of all, I'll give, you, I'll give you sort of my definition and then I'll give you a metaphor to bring, bring that to life. So outbound marketing is where we uh, put a value proposition in front of someone before we, we know if they have any interest in that whatsoever. So it's going to a business networking meeting, handing out business cards, hoping that someone will make, will say, you know, can we talk about working together? That, that's outbound. We, we, there's, there, there's no... We have no idea whether that person is interested or not. It's sending out 10,000 direct mail letters and saying, call this 1-800 number if you want SEO services today. It's, so it's any time we're going out to the market, cold calling, uh, any, anything like that, where our prospects, we're not even actually prospects, they're just suspects. We suspect they might be interested, <laughs> but no. That's, that's outbound marketing. It has nothing, outbound versus inbound. With inbounds, what we're doing is we're, we're giving people the opportunity to buy or make an inquiry after they've already registered an interest in our type of service or product. Mm-hmm. That, that's the broad definition. It has nothing to do with the medium. You can do outbound marketing or inbound marketing with billboards, with, with uh, pay-per-click, with webinars, with anything. You can do outbound or inbound with any medium. It's to do with when you propose to the prospect mm-hmm. before or after you know if they have an interest. If it's after you know they've an interest, then it's inbound. Okay, so here's the metaphor. There's a forest, there's 100 bears in the forest, they're all asleep, they're grizzly bears, they're big. And we happen to know magically somehow that three of them are hungry. And we have a little honey pot and we want the three hungry bears to eat our honey. And this is a metaphor, the bears are a metaphor for potential clients, mm-hmm. honey pots a metaphor for our services. So if you think about outbound marketing, what outbound marketing would do is it'd get a big, long, sharp stick and it'd go into the forest and find a bear that's sleeping Remember, there's 100 sleeping, but only three are hungry. Mm-hmm. And it would find a bear sleeping bear and jab it in the bum with a sharp stick and wake it up. And then we'd <laughs> wave the honey pot in front of the bear's nose. And we'd hope and pray that the bear's, it was one of the hungry bears, so the bear's hunger exceeds its anger and it would eat the honey and not us. Otherwise, we'd better get So that's like cold calling. It's outbound marketing. We're, yeah. just, we're just annoying people and giving them an offer. and We don't know if they're interested or not. Uh-huh. What inbound marketing does, it takes the same... 100 sleeping bears in that forest, and we know three are hungry, and it puts the honeypot outside the forest. And the three hungry bears probably start dreaming they're swimming in honey or something, but they wake up and they go, oh, damn, it was a dream. But I can still smell the honey. And they come out of the forest and eat our honey. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a really good metaphor and analogy for outbound marketing, going to the forest, poking people versus putting the honeypot outside. So mm. we, people might call this a lead magnet. I'm going to call it a honeypot. Mm -hmm. um, and, and webinars are a terrific honeypot. So mm. if we run a webinar, if you run a webinar and you put the, the title of the webinar is a benefit rich description of your service, the benefit of your service, then you're going to attract the three hungry bears to register for your webinar. And that's a really good example of outbound versus inbound. That is so perfect. So that all sounds great. We want these inbound leads so that we have people that are hungry for our services when they join our webinar. How do we find this audience that right. is in that, you know, that yeah. that yeah. frame of mind without doing the outbound? How, how do you find the the the, the forest of yeah. sleeping bears amongst whom a, a 3% will be hungry? And 3%, yeah. by the way, is, is about if you get an audience uh, let's say in a, a webinar audience, you're going to have 3% that are ready to buy simply as soon as they read the title. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 3% so is not a bad number. We, 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 we've worked this out from thousands and thousands and thousands of um, registrants, subscribers, email uh, webinar attendees, et cetera. So how do you find those two great places? You can find them without paying any money. That's, that's the good news. You can find them and you can get fresh audiences every single month um, and a pretty high quality. No Facebook ads, no complicated online funnels. No affiliate marketing, uh, which I know both of us, you know, know how to do all that stuff, but mm -hmm. um, you don't have to do any of that. So, so the first place you find them is what's called OPN, which stands for Other People's Networks. More specifically, mm -hmm. if you want to drill down on that, you have a bunch of email subscribers, and in your email subscribers, your email subscribers are 100 sleeping bears, metaphorically speaking. Three of them mm -hmm. are going to be hungry for my honey. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're giving them honeypots called an interview. So we know that the people are interested in the subject, there will be an alignment between their interest in this subject and their interest in what I do. Only 3% of them probably, mm -hmm. but still, you know, I'll take 3% of hundred in any day sort of thing. Yep. So, so other people, it, it doesn't matter what your professional services, it doesn't matter if you're working B2C, this business consumer, whether you're a personal coach, your business coach, you're a weight loss consultant, your relationship consultant in North America in particular, but also here in Australia, there will be in Australia, there'll be dozens, if not hundreds in the U S there'll be hundreds, if not thousands of individuals who have email subscriber lists who are represent your forest full of bears. Mm -hmm. So we, other people might call this joint venture. I call it OPN, other people's networks for, for good reason. Um, there's, there's some differentiation. So, so, so those people, once you create the right experience for those people who own those email lists, will promote your webinar. That, mm -hmm. That's what we do. All they'll promote your podcast, all they'll promote your book. And it's normally done through reciprocity. Mm -hmm. So we, we, as human beings, we are wired to want to keep, keep the score even. Someone does something for us, we are inclined to want to do something because we want to keep that score even unconsciously. And that's called psychological reciprocity. So you have me, you have me on, my on your podcast. I'd like to have you on my podcast, please. Uh, of course. <laughs> webinar. Your webinar. So, yeah. so it's often done through reciprocity. But the thing is, if we just reach out to someone and we say, okay, Joan Smith, she does webinars. I'll email Joan and see if she wants to support my webinar. And I'll, you, you'll hear crickets. She won't mm -hmm. respond because you've mm -hmm. got no relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, you're not selling a washing machine. You've got to build, you've got to have a first date with Joan first, right? She's got to get to know my brand and trust me and respect the content, et cetera, et cetera, before I suggest that. Mm -hmm. We have a, a multiple step system, data miner who looks for the owners of the forest with the sleeping bears. She has a checklist she goes through. I want to make sure they feature themselves on the website. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure they're not marking something physical, but rather something that's 
that's intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And then we have five checklists you have to go through, check them off. They're all knockout factors. Unless you can check every single one of those five factors, then they're not going to be a prospect for a joint venture of any description. Mm -hmm. Then once they pass those five factors, we have an algorithm, which was developed by two data scientists. And we put that person's website through the algorithm and that predicts essentially what it's saying is the size of their email list and the responsiveness of the email list. That mm -hmm. in turn tells us how many registrants they're likely to get for our webinar, should they promote our webinar. Mm -hmm. So uh, you don't have to have an algorithm to do that. Uh, my clients use an algorithm, but I work pretty happily for many years without it. But you do need, first of all, to qualify this potential joint venture partner. And secondly, you need to create an opportunity for them to get to know you before you even talk about doing a joint venture. Mm. And podcast interviews are a terrific way to allow people to get to know you and for you to be able to establish rapport, respect, relatability, and reciprocity, get their message out to your audience, whether you have an audience of one or a hundred thousand, give them the opportunity, give them voice to their message and let reciprocity play its course. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned the podcast interviews because I think a lot of people miss this and I'm a big purporter of people having a podcast because not only are we building an audience of uh, people that love our content, but the magic that happens, just like you and I were chatting before the interview, the magic that happens on an interview is incredible because what it does is it speeds up the process of getting to know someone. You're hearing their absolute best content, which makes it very easy to open up a conversation after the interview. And that's why I personally love doing podcasts and I have met so many, you know, joint venture partners, affiliate partners, all sorts of different people through my podcast. And, you know, if I, I would actually put that as um, probably, you know, just as good for me, if not better than actually putting out the content itself. Right. And as you do a podcast with webcams on like we're doing, we're eyeball to eyeball. And we know that oxytocin is produced in the brain when we're eyeball, eyeball and that's, that's the chemical that induces trust. If you can't see someone's eyes, in our culture, certainly, we don't tend to trust them if they're sheepishly looking away all the time. But when we're eyeball to eyeball, oxytocin gets produced. So you're 100% correct. Um, what, doing a podcast is one of the fastest ways to establish rapport and respect with someone who didn't know you from a bar or so prior to the interview. Mm, totally. So you've talked about uh, you've got this five-step checklist and you put this through the algorithm and you know that they're, they've got great email lists and it's going to be responsive. But what about people that are listening? And I know there is a lot of people listening that are maybe just getting started. They've got little right. tiny small lists. Yeah. For them, th they're sitting here going, well, that's great. That works for the big, you know, the, the big people. But yeah. what, what about me? So, yeah. so what can you offer? How can people start to use this method? Great, great question. Let me ask you, Sam, how many email subscribers were you born with zero right. so <laughs> great, great question we're all born naked uh, so so you started with zero i started with zero but we started and that was the important thing one mm -hmm. day we, we woke up and we went to mailchimp or we went to mailerlite or wherever and we created an email account we probably put in that our past clients do that you can do that within five minutes of finishing this podcast interview you're listening to this podcast interview do it as goethe said the genius and the power and the magic is in beginning a thing so we can't look at the Frank Kearns and the Brenda Bruchards and the Dan Kennedys and the Jay Brenners of the world and say, well, if only I had a list like this, you've got to start. So what you do is you start with an email list and you get, you start a podcast and you get people on your podcast with small email lists. 
And that's the reason we do the, we run people through the algorithm. You can do it without the algorithm, but the algorithm is more accurate is we want to find people who have similar size email lists to yours. Now I started running webinars with eight attendees. Mm-hmm. You know, these days we can get 800 mm-hmm. registrants and maybe 300 attendees. So, but you've got to start. And the important thing is to start. And I have this thing called the spiral. So almost all my clients start with no email list or a very small email list. Mm-hmm. They start doing podcast interviews with people who have similar sized lists after they do a cross promotion of some description. And the best way to do cross promotion is the same medium. So you promote their book, they promote your book. You don't have a book, you promote their webinar, they promote your webinar, their podcast, whatever. So mm-hmm. you reciprocate the same medium. That's the easiest way to get a yes to a joint venture value proposition. And then you do what 99% of marketers fail to do, even full-time professional marketers, you do the freaking debrief. Mm-hmm. After you've done the JV, you don't just chase, you know, go back to another forest and start poking bears and bums again. You do the debrief and you say, Sam, was it good for you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, did, did, did I manage to support you in a manner which you, you know, you, were, you know, um, uh, that, that you're happy with? Because if not, I want to do something extra because you want to walk away from every joint venture having verbally confirmed with them that they were delighted with working with you because you want to do that again in a year's time. They will grind their email list in a year. So why not circle back? You know, it's the old thing. We, we say it's five times easier to sell something to an existing client than it is to find a new one. Well, it's five times easier to do another JV with someone who's done a JV mm. than to find a new one. So let's, mm-hmm. let's make sure we leave that relationship with a high value foot imprint in, the, in, the, in, the, in their mind. Now, having confirmed that reciprocation occurred approximately, if it didn't, we make up for it somehow, then there's the opportunity to refer to other people, to other JV partners or what I call OPN partners. Now, three referrals. Almost everyone knows three people that they know would also like to do some sort of swap or mm-hmm. JV. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find over a 90 day period and our KPIs, we do one per week. We do one swap per week, essentially one partner per week. So over a 90 day period, let's assume not everyone does a swap. Let's assume we do get eight out of 12 doing the debrief. Uh, then that's 24 partners I'm getting referred to. Mm-hmm. On average, eight of those will have a smaller email list than my partner I just did the swap with. On average, eight will have the same size list as the partner I just did the swap with. And on average, eight will have a larger email list with the partner I just did a swap with. Mm-hmm. So every 90 days, on average, I'm spiraling up the email list size. Uh, these days, we're getting uh, a thousand new email subscribers every month organically and naturally just by running webinars. Um, and we used to get like five. So it builds. And what I'm saying is we're all born naked. Mm-hmm. Just start. Absolutely. Use the JV system, do the debrief and the referral. Don't do what 97, 99% of marketers do, which is just chase the next JV. Mm-hmm. Do the debrief. Make sure your mm-hmm. partner got value and get those referrals because that's the fastest way to build a high quality email list. Most of the money in the JV partnership or the OPN swap is not made during the swap. It's made at the debrief. Mm, good, good advice. And I think that so many people can get caught with thinking, oh, you know, that, but I don't want to go because, you know, I'm not as big or as good as that other person and they never get going. And it's really tragic to see. You talked about having seven people on your first uh, webinar. I had three, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I always, and I say this to my clients too, Tony Robbins, when he first, when he ran his very first event in his lounge room, 
his very first one, he had three people. So I'm always like, well, if it's good for Tony Robbins, it's good for yeah. me. And look at where he is now. So yeah. just, just uh, get going. Yeah, absolutely. Just start. That's where the genius, the power, and the magic is. That's Goethe said. Um, I ran, you know, I, I started a, a mastermind group with one person. I didn't want to start with one person. Yeah. <laughs> Ended up with four groups. The biggest group at 145 people. Wow. And how many people with that one person would stop or wouldn't even actually, probably not even stop, would not even go further, wouldn't even launch? Yeah. Well, the the second meeting, we had two people and it it grew from there. And I I prefaced those first two meetings, one where I had one person, one with two people with saying, you know, when KFC launched, you know, that greasy, mucky fat dripping off every I mean, but what did they say? Hey, folks, this is finger licking good. So they turned the, the, the disadvantage into a benefit. And I still remember the first time I ate KFC was in New Zealand and it was like all this greasy, fatty, yeah. yucky stuff on my fingers. And I'm going, Ugh. and then I go, oh, hang on. Oh, it is finger licking good. So they, there was a piece of marketing genius. So what I did with the, with the one person on the two people was that the good news is you're going to get my full and complete attention. Because when we get to 50 or 100 people, you're not going to be out of that. So let's make the most of it now. We have a full day together with just, just us. So let's really get to squeeze every single drop out of the lemon. That's why this is a good thing for you, that you're the only person in the room. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when they get a huge amount of value, what do they do? They say, oh, I know yeah, someone else that would love yeah, to be share, here. Share the love. And yeah. if there's 100 people in the room, I explain to them why that's a good thing. Yeah. Because yeah. of the diversity and because, because I'm not the only source of wisdom here and so on and so on and so on. So... It's, you know, you could call it spin doctoring or pivoting or or repositioning, but there is always a benefit in something in some way of doing something. I think there's a little bit of gold in there. Actually, I don't think I know. And I just wanted to touch on it before we moved on is that always share the benefit of wherever you are in the journey or wherever you are in the process. And I think, um, I read a story just recently that, uh, of Jägermeister. I mean, that stuff is like, petrol is horrible stuff um but the whole idea behind that and the marketing behind behind that and how they how the american culture like when it came over from you uh from europe how they turned that into something that everyone wanted right. um it's such a great story so if you haven't heard that go look uh, it up because it's genius party shots and so on yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. not the most pleasant drink in the world that's for sure no uh, but it, but most people have got a story of having a right. shot of jaeger at like one or two in the morning right and uh, that's uh, what the whole thing's about yes <laughs> it's about when you'd need to have had you know a <laughs> bottle of red wine first and then you're in it yeah i'll try that now thank you exactly, um, exactly. So, but you're right it's 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 a matter of making the being explicit about the benefit of the feature mm-hmm. the feature is there's only two people i'm asked my group what's the benefit of that now, you'll notice that in the room, there's only two of you here. And the reason that's a positive is because benefit, 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 benefit. So we don't, don't assume that people understand the benefit. Mm-hmm. Be explicit about the benefit, whatever the benefit is, whether it's fatty grease on your fingers, finger looking good, <laughs> or you get my full undivided attention because there's only two of you here. Be explicit about the benefit. Yeah, totally. Love it. So once we've got this, uh, this audience, I know that... Um, you know, uh, something else that you do really well is create stickiness on your webinars. You create content that is mesmerizing that people stick around for. What tips can you give us around that? Well, the big, the big thing is, you know, we we talk about engagement on a webinar and and we want people to stay around for the end. Well, the first thing I'll say is what does not do that is 
what's called the stick strategy, which is at the end of this, I will give you X, Y, Z, A, B, C. So stick around for that. Mm -hmm. That is just a poor compensation for poor quality content. If the mm -hmm. content is riveting and engaging and captivating, you don't need a stick strategy. People are going to hang around. So mm -hmm. that's, that's BS straight off the bat. Don't worry about stick strategy because focus on making your content. If it's, I have a saying, if it's not captivating, it's not marketing. Mm -hmm. And that's the standard. So how do you, how do you create content that's captivating? And there's a whole sequence to go through and we don't have time to go through every single step, but mm -hmm. I have this concept called the concept conveyor and the, what the concept conveyor shows you how to do is it shows you how to create an idea and convey that in such a way that's engaging and educational, entertaining, and also motivational. Now, before I talked about the hundred sleeping bears, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we talked about, you know, how do you, how do you find audiences? We talked about hundred sleeping bears, explain the difference between the outbound marketing and inbound marketing. It was a metaphor, hundred sleeping bears, three of them hungry. So that's a good example of the concept conveyor. What we've done is we've taken an idea, which is that we really want to give people a taste of our brand before we propose meeting with them. Mm -hmm. We've taken that and we've put it into a, a concept called the hundred sleeping bears. So the first thing you do is you give the idea that you're wanting to convey a name, a title. So I have the so segmentation formula. I have Hugh Jackman marketing. I have the hundred sleeping bears. Uh -huh. Every main point that I want to communicate has a label. And as soon as you give a thing a label, you differentiate it from just everyone else saying the same thing, the idea. Mm -hmm. You know, I have the 100 Sleeping Bears. I mean, probably someone else out there is going to start talking about the 100 Sleeping Bears too, and I'll create something else. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the moment, so you give it a label, and so it becomes a thing. The next step in the concept conveyor, step two, is you explain what you're about to tell them. So you tell them what you're about to tell them. So when I talked about the 100 Sleeping Bears, I said, this will explain the difference between outbound marketing and inbound marketing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And step three is you create a story, a metaphor, or a simile around the point you're wanting to communicate. In my case, I'm talking about putting the honeypot outside. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so step four is you recap and you say, and that is why we don't do outbound marketing. It's why we do inbound marketing, et cetera. And then you take questions. So that concept conveyor consists of five steps and it allows you to communicate an idea in such a way that's motivational, inspirational, and engaging. And the key is to turn it into a metaphor or a simile or a story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have another story about Hugh Jackman marketing. And I tell a story about, you know, the time I asked my wife, if Hugh Jackman knocked on the front door and proposed marriage to you, what would you say? And she said, I'd run away with the guy. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I'm on your Sorry. side with that one. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> I love you. I love you. But Jackman. And, and I, and I I actually said to her, this is a true story. I said to her, I thought about it for a moment. I said, you know, I don't think you need to apologize. She said, why is that? I said, well, if, if, if Hugh Jackman knocked on the front door and I answered and he proposed to me, I'd probably run away too. And I'm not even gay, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Hugh freaking Jackman. Exactly. Um, so, and, I, and then I, then I say, well, and, and the reason why that's important is that you can't practice Hugh Jackman marketing. Hugh Jackman can get away proposing to my, my wife at first sight. She says, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Um, I can't do that in a commercial context. Mm -hmm. People, we need to give people a first date, right? We need to give your prospects, not an immediate hit them up. Do you want consulting services today? But we need to give them a first date to warm them up because we're not Hugh Jackman. So the Hugh Jackman is another example of the concept conveyor. Essentially what I'm saying is don't propose to people the moment you meet them at a business networking meeting or a conference. Mm -hmm. Create the opportunity for them to get to know your brand through a webinar or through your book or whatever else, and then propose that otherwise it's premature proposition. So that's another example of the concept conveyor. Mm. Giving it a name, Hugh Jackman marketing, explain what it's going to explain, telling the story, the metaphor, the analogy, 
wrapping it up again and taking questions. That's, mm. that's how we convey content in a way which is going to really keep people engaged. I love that. And there's a piece in there that years ago, and I've never forgotten this, years and years ago um, when I first running, started running conferences, one of those steps I forgot, and it was the very first one, to give context. And now I talk about it so much. You must give context because otherwise – I, I did this whole yeah. two-hour talk on joint <laughs> ventures, which I thought was great. We got to right. the lunch break. Everyone's looking at each other like, what the heck just what? happened? And what? I and, and then people were approaching me at lunchtime and went, we just did not understand that. And uh, it was at that moment that I went, I did not give context. context. And I had to right. come back from the lunch break, give the right. context. It was all right. done backwards. Everyone's like, oh, now we get it. So, um, it, so yeah. definitely those five steps in order is definitely the and prescription. It, an educator explained it to me, he called it, he said, you got to give people the umbrella view. Mm -hmm. So, so this is the big, this, this is everything we're going to cover here. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about joint ventures and how you can create a fresh flow of leads virtually every single month through webinars. That's kind of the umbrella view. That's, context if you like and then yeah. you drill down to the steps so, yeah, yeah absolutely yes i learned that very quickly if you don't give context like doesn't matter how good your metaphors are right. they're not going anywhere <laughs> well at least you learned it because there's some people still doing that still haven't got it and they've done a hundred talks you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's something it. i do every wrong time with I... my audiences <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah maybe not the audience <laughs> Awesome. This has been so great, Tom. I have got a feeling that I'm going to be inviting you back pretty soon to, to dive into this even deeper because it is so great. But I think that today has given us a really great overview on how to build our audience, which is something that it's actually a question I get so often. Um, I'm running a Q&A call with my clients this morning and I know it's the first question off the bat. They've already said, how do I build my audience? Right. It is the question I get over and over and over and over. Um, so this, this episode has been really great. There's a lot of value. I think that everyone should go back and listen and, and take some notes. Um, how do people stay connected with you to learn more about what it is that you do? Probably the best thing they can do is go to leadgendemo.live. Mm-hmm leadgendemo.live, um, sign up for the next lead gen, the next marketing webinar I do, because on, the, on, on those live webinars, you can see exactly how I explain how we get the audiences in more detail. We explain how to do the titles of webinars. We go into a lot of, we explain the sequence of how to do a webinar. Leadgendemo.live, uh, they can go and register. We run them on the first Wednesday of each month, uh, US Eastern Standard Time, because most of our audiences are in North America. But we do run two a day because we have a global audience. We cover Western Europe, UK, Australia, New Zealand, et cetera. So leadgendemo.live is where they can go. And then they'll be on our email list uh, after that. And they'll, we'll give them podcasts and all sorts of cool stuff. They get to date you. <laughs> Metaphorically. Get, yeah, I promise I won't knock on your door and propose marriage. You can come to, come to the webinar. And, the other, just the PS, I guess, is um, people, a lot of people try social media and I suppose you cover off why that's not as effective as running an event. And these days with COVID-19, the events tend to be webinars. Mm -hmm. And the way I explain that is that social media is kind of like speed dating and a webinar is like taking someone out for a night on the town. Mm -hmm. You know, we have dinner, we have the show, we have theater, we might have coffee back at my place, whatever, but it's just a much more immersive experience for folks. So by all means, do the social media to keep your brand and people's brain until they're ready to buy but create an event because the event is like a night out on the town. People can really get to know you well and you get the opportunity to establish that trust and rapport and respect and relatability. 
Love it. There's been so much value in this episode. Thank you so much for sharing, Tom. Really appreciate you. And uh, I'll pop all those links to connect with Tom and to grab that that free resource um, in the show notes. But thank you again. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you. Number one, grab a free copy of the Thought Leaders Positioning Checklist over at samantharily.global forward slash checklist. Number two, check out my inner circle for coaches, experts and change makers over at samantharily.global forward slash inner circle. Or number three, connect with me to discuss how I can work with you on a more personal or a one-on-one level at hello at samantharily.global. I look forward to hanging out with you here again on Thursday, right here on the Thought Leaders Business Lab.